Well, good morning to each of you. It's good to see you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. By the way, it is still Christmas season. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year to you. It's good to see every one of you. Uh, we have started a new season. You see, the world keeps time according to seasons, calendars, and holidays. And in the church, we keep a different kind of time uh, where we kind of follow the different seasons of Christ. In fact, part of the reason why we follow the seasons at this church is we want to be in the rhythms of and be in the cadence of the life of Jesus. And so we believe that, that we will follow the, the calendar, the church year, so we recognize things like Advent, where we wait for the birth and coming of Jesus. We also will be going into Lent here in the spring, where we, where we recognize our own humanity and our own sinfulness, leading us up to the cross and the resurrection of Christ. But, but we entered into one of my favorite seasons on Friday, which is called Epiphany, which lasts eight weeks long. Now, if you're not familiar with Epiphany, on Friday we celebrate the three kings, as we call them, visiting Jesus. Now, we know that they were not at the major scene, but we often put them in our nativity. In fact, if you missed last week, we talked about these three kings, which, by the way, is a great message. You should go back and listen to it. Um, I don't have time to get into it, but, but it really captures the essence of Epiphany for us. You see, we said last week that these three kings weren't actually kings, but actually they were people who were magicians. Now, we don't like to tell our kids that. We wouldn't say that because we don't want to admit what they really are. But these were people from a different faith. They were people for, that believed in a different mythology. They, they were astrologers. They looked to the stars. They came from a completely different country. They came from Iran. And they weren't God's chosen people. But somehow they invited themselves to this party of God at, at, at the manger scene that we put together during Christmas time. And what I love about this story is that God is being revealed to all people in this moment. It's not just the chosen ones. It's not just the righteous and the religious people. But rather, we asked this question last week. If God were to show up in modern day history in this moment, who would be in the manger scene? Now, I don't want to ruin the surprise for the, nearly most of you that missed last week, but it was surprising to me who I thought would be in the manger scene. It really made me uncomfortable saying it. I think you should go back and listen to it. probably make you uncomfortable as well. But this is the beauty of the Christ that we believe in, and this is really what Epiphany is all about, is God revealing himself to all of humanity and because God has chosen his son, Jesus Christ, to be revealed to all of humanity, life is far better. And so we are starting a series of the next eight weeks called Far Better. You see, part of Epiphany is our responsibility of revealing God as well into the world, to the people who need him most. And so we can only do that when we live a far better existence into what God is calling each of us to. Amen this morning. Come on now. I need some amens this morning. I need some energy. I'm a little tired, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Would you stand with me for the reading of Matthew 3? It's been fun studying God's word this week. I think he has a good word for you this morning. And would you stand for the reading of his word in Matthew 3? We'll be in verse 13 all the way to 17. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And why in the world, Jesus, would you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is, it is proper for us 
uh, circle that word, us, to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son and whom I love with him. I am well pleased. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever had somebody point out something about you that you already knew about yourself? I was reminded this week of what high school was like when you would wake up after a long night's slumber only to find that this volcanic formation had formed on your face. And you stood in the mirror and you looked and you saw this massive zit staring you down. And you knew that you were going to go to school and although you didn't want people to say something, you knew it was going to happen. You see, people tend to say about you what you already know about yourself. And, but the worst part is, is that people would, people would say it in front of other people. You've had these moments, these embarrassing moments where they say something in front of other people. And you kind of just want to slip out of the moment that you're in and retreat from life and just hide away forever. Now, teenagers, I would like to tell you that it gets better, but it doesn't. You simply just get less hair, bigger ears, and saggier skin. Uh, you still really have the same temperament, and you're still brutally honest. That's just part of life. I mean, it's just how it goes. But, but as we get older, I, I find it interesting that we are brutally honest to other people, to their face, about their failures and their limitations. You see, I am fully aware of my limitations. But there are some of you who don't mind reminding me of those limitations. <laughs> you see, I know that... That I'm new as a pastor, and so I have a long way to go in mastering the art of being a professional pastor. I don't know if I'll ever get there. I highly doubt it. I know that one of my skills is not shepherding. I'm not a pastor who shepherds people. In fact, it was the lowest score that I had on my gift test. That's not encouraging for some of you. Uh, I scored really high in visiting and profit. I mean, it, it, it was fun. But, but my skill is not, not shepherding people. I don't like the business side, if there's such a thing of church. It's not my niche. I don't like details. I like dreams, big dreams, and, and I just like to skip the details of things. I'm learning. I realize that I'm not a patient person. I'm, I'm trying to practice patience. I know that I need to learn how to listen more. I realize that I'm not as intuitive and as deep as some of my, as some of my colleagues. I'm also deeply aware that my writing is not as, as great as my colleagues. It, it's funny because there are days where I, I, I realize that I'm not good at spiritual disciplines. See, I'm just like you. I struggle with daily spiritual disciplines of getting up in the morning and praying and reading and, 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 and becoming who God wants me to be. I, I struggle with those things. I struggle with, with eating habits. I struggle with personal image and if I'm really honest with you, I, I realize that one of my limitations, after I look at all the limitations of my life, I walk into the office and there are days that I will say to myself, should I even be here? Am I really meant to be a pastor? Did I waste eight years of my life studying and preparing to be ordained in the church of the Nazarene simply to walk away and say, this was really never meant for you? You see, you, you have notes in front of you. I'd like for you to take notes if you could. But the question I want you to ask this morning is, what are your limits? 
What are the limitations, the barriers, the, 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 the capacities that you have that, that you know hold you where you are? You see, there are some of you who realize that you are not cognitively capable as your counterparts. There are some of you who realize that you're limit, you have limited time with your kids, and so maybe you're limited in your ability to parent your children. Some of you realize that, that you were limited in your gifts and your job, and the recent reviews that you got from your employer were not as high as you anticipated. Some of you have no limits when it comes to your mouth, and so you're just brutally honest. You're the one that points out the zit on somebody's face. Some of us have limits to our temper. Some of us actually can't control our temper, so there are no limits there. But some of us have physical limits that we can't control. And so the question that I want you to ask is, what are my limits? And we're going to be wrestling with these questions in our community groups over this week because we're going to get into the text in just a second. But we are going to wrestle with this question, and you'll understand why in just a moment, but part of what we do as a church is we gather in groups to discuss these very questions. So that's the first question I want you to ask. I want you to go back to Matthew 3, verse 13, 14, and 15. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why would you come to me? I find it interesting in the story that, that John tries to deter Jesus from being baptized. He tries to prevent, he tries to dissuade, he tries to keep Jesus from being baptized by him. Not because Jesus wasn't worthy of baptism, but because John felt like he wasn't worthy of Jesus' baptism. You see, in, in Matthew 3.11, it tells us that he says, I, I, I baptize you with uh, the repentance of water, but there is one coming more powerful than I, whose sandals I am unworthy to carry. You see, what I love about in this moment is that as John stands face to face with Jesus, he admits his limitations. It is in the moment that he comes face to face to Jesus, he realizes that he is completely unworthy to baptize one of the most holy people ever to walk the face of the earth. Do you not think that John was aware of his unholiness in the presence of the holy? Do you not think that he was aware that he was about to basically reveal to the world who the Messiah was through this very act? This is an important part of God's story. And John realizes that he is not worthy of he's not worthy of carrying out God's will in this very moment. But what I love is that when he stands face to face to Jesus, he admits his limitations. Could it be that God is wanting to do something in your life this year in 2017 that, that you never thought he would do with you, but the problem is is that you are still living in those limitations? And maybe the first step in getting over those limitations is that we will begin to admit to God what those limitations are. Perhaps you don't believe in God at all. This is a great self-help program for you. Maybe for you it's simply just sitting down and beginning to acknowledge the limitations in your life. Because there is something powerful about speaking, speaking what is already true about us. We acknowledge our limitations. Perhaps your problem is this, is that 
that you do what John doesn't do in this passage. I love that when John is standing with Jesus, he may admit his limitations, but he doesn't accept those limitations. He may admit them, but he doesn't accept them. You see, I think there is an absolute difference between uh, admitting and accepting. See, admitting means you, you know that you have them. Accepting means you will never grow past them. I'm speaking truth here this morning. Somebody give me an amen. You know that to be true about yourself. When you admit it, you know that you have them. But when you accept them, you will never grow past them. You see, when we begin to accept our limitations, we begin to minimize the maximum. You see, God wants us to live the far better life up here, but when we accept the limitations that we have on our lives, we simply live down here. Let me, let me, let me give you an example this morning. I wish I had a visual to help along with, with the story, but I want you to think about the lifespan of a tomato in our modern day society. You see, most of our tomatoes right now in the Midwest are grown out west. And they're filled with chemicals and pesticides. And then they make a two or three week journey here where they sit in the back of a truck and gasoline and oils are spilled all over them. And then they wash them in the store and make them look really, really nice. And then you buy those tomatoes. And when you bite into those tomatoes, what you actually get is a minimal taste of what the tomato really wants to offer you. Because of all the pollutants that had... Been ex the tomato had been exposed to over the journey. And, you know, we walk around in life saying, well, that's just the way produce is meant to be. When in reality, I can tell you from this last summer, it's not. You see, we were meant to plant seeds. We were meant to water gardens. We were meant to grow tomato plants. And you begin to see that as you bite into a tomato grown from your own garden, it is sweet. It is juicy. And there is kind of this, uh, this palatable taste that is filled with vigor in life. You see, what you get in the moment when you eat a tomato from your garden, you get the maximum potential that a tomato wants to offer you. But yet, we continue to accept what the modern world wants to give us. Chemically induced apples that make them look redder. I mean, you name it. It's in our food, and we just accept it. You see, I think that it's true about us is that we're okay with just accepting our limitations, and then what happens is we find ourselves stuck, and we find ourselves not moving in the, the God's story, and we wonder why God isn't using us. You see, one of the things I love about when John admits to Jesus his limitations, up to that point, there is no movement in the story. But it is the moment that we admit, not accept the limitations, that John begins to move in God's story. He begins to work in God's will and, and amazing things, things that he never imagined. The far better life that he is living in that moment, the maximum capacity of one's existence is experienced because John admitted his limitations. And I'm, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that perhaps you are stuck in your own story. Because all you see is your limitations and the capacities on your life. So the first step in, in living the far better life is admitting those limitations. The second thing I love is this. is 
we really need a visual in helping us move past these limitations. And we get to see that through what John and Jesus perform for us in this amazing sacrament and act called baptism. Now, I know for some of you, uh, baptism seems more like the Christian version of waterboarding, where we simply dunk people under the point where they'll confess their sins. That's <laughs> really not it. Uh, it may seem like that, though. But it's interesting to me that in the, the word baptism, as you begin to look over the, the grand narrative of God's story, is actually translated martyrion or martyr. That when you begin to look at stories like Stephen, you look at the word martyr in the Greek, it actually is the word baptismo or baptism. You see, what I want you to understand this morning is a martyr dies for the sake of benefit, the sake and benefit of something greater than their own self. And I'm wondering if perhaps that it's in this moment that we need to die to ourselves. Perhaps that's what baptism is really about. It's not about a confession of sin, but rather it's a moment where we find ourselves under this water. We are putting to death the barriers, the limitations, the things that are keeping us from God, our own desires, everything that is about us. We put to death in that very moment. And then we are raised to life. We are raised, we go from death to life in that moment. And so for per, perhaps for some of you, moving past your limitations is about dying to yourself. And learning to give yourself over to the selfless love that God has called each of us to do to serve a broken world. Even if we take God out of the equation just for a minute, you were never to design. I am certain that atheists would tell you this. You were never designed to serve yourself. In fact, serving yourself, you will learn that you will simply be unhappy in life. That the moments that we, we experience what life was meant to be like, the far better life are the moments that we give everything away. When we give all that we have. So maybe you need to die to yourself this morning. Maybe you need to die to yourself this year. Maybe you actually need to be baptized. I promise we won't hold you under too long. <laughs> the last thing that, 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 that I have to work with a little bit, I don't know if I'll bring clarity to this point, but I really want to, is that I, I think part of moving past those limitations is somehow harnessing the holy. Now, I find it interesting in the story that, that Matthew provides for us today that it is in the moment that Jesus comes out of the water, there is a descending spirit that falls upon Jesus, and it is in that moment that he receives the spirit that he is revealed to the world. His face is lit up. I'm really captured by this idea of the spirit. I had some lady ask me this week, what is the Holy Spirit? You know, if I knew the answer to that question, I'd tell you. But I don't. <laughs> but here's what I do know. I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what we're, we're talking about is this moment where 
where we begin to harness the very same spirit that was in Jesus as he walked across this earth, ministering to people, loving people, healing people. It's in those moments that his spirit is revealed to us, and we somehow need to harness that. Now, how do we do that? You see, I think part of that is the spirit indwelling or inhabiting every part of your being. We use churchy words like indwelling or abiding or remaining. But I want you to hear this. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. It says in John, it says, I am the true vine and the Father is the gardener. Now listen to this. He cuts off every branch. Now this is Jesus saying this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. And he goes on to tell us that if, if you don't abide in me, you will no longer be fruitful in life. You see, I think part of what the Spirit wants to do to us when we submit ourselves to God is that he will cut off those limitations. But he won't just cut off the limitations of your life, but I think he will accentuate the gifts you have to reveal God's character. Have you ever considered the fact that the gifts you have in your life are a revelation to the world of God's very nature? That's amazing. Maybe just amazing to me, but think about this with me for a minute. That what if God begins to cut off the limitations of your life, and he begins to take your specific gifts, specific to you, and he begins to prune them in such a way that there is so much abundance of this divine nectar hanging on the tree that all people see in your life is fruit and not your limitations. You see, when a tree is full, you will no longer see the branches that have been cut off, but all you will see is the fruit of a good tree. Amen. That's right. Come on. Get a little soul in here. Picture with me for just a minute. We have people like David and Debbie and Ty and Cindy Roscoe who are very, very creative people. Now, what if God wanted to use that very gift to make them more creative? We have people like Bill who who is gifted in construction, and what if God wanted to prune his construction skills in order to build even more for the kingdom? I think about people like Karen Ruthenbeck and, and Wanda Benson who have the gift of hospitality, and what if God wants to prune those gifts back just for a moment so they could be more hospitable? I love this picture. You see, you can tell me all you want. Pastor, you're too young. You're inexperienced. You don't understand what you're doing. You still have a lot to, of work to do on preaching. But let me tell you this morning that I have recognized in this moment that I have two very good gifts, and that is vision and compassion. Now, maybe not shepherding compassion, but compassion for people who find themselves on the outside of this, this church in this moment. And if you remember from last week, we said perhaps the center of God's story is not in here, but it's out there in what God is already doing. You see, God has blessed me with a dream to see what could be. Do you think this foyer would just like started knocking stuff down for the fun of it just because we wanted to kick walls down? No, we had a vision that somehow this beautiful space could be open where people could come in and there would be life in this moment. That's a dream that happened months ago, but just now came to fruition. 
You see, I think God wants to take each of our gifts, not as individuals, but as a collective church, to then become a movement. I love the song we sang, talking about hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder. Imagine that. That if you took the gifts that God gave you and you gave them to the Spirit and He began to prune them and they became fruitful, that what kind of movement we would create as a church. I love the, the vision. You, each of you, using your gifts for the good of the kingdom. This last week, I presented to our staff this question. I said, does anybody know the equation for momentum? The answer is math times velocity. And I said, it's become apparent to me that we are not a people with mass. We just don't have a lot of people in this church. And this author that I was reading was arguing that we can't make an impact without mass. But then I had genius John, John Vogel, who is a certified genius, correct me. He said, I understand that, Brad, and I would like to present something else to you. You see, as a firefighter, we learned that Somebody who has less mass traveling at a greater speed has more impact than somebody who weighs more and is traveling at a slower speed. So John said, what if we weren't meant to be a mass right now, but rather we were meant to be a small unit traveling at a, a fast speed to make an impact in our community? Whoa. Now that's a revolutionary thought. Because you see, that's where I wasn't a visionary. All I could see is we need more people. But we have people like John. We have gifted pastors who can say, no, pastor. In this moment, we just become a small, knit unit and family that are using all of the gifts that God has given us, that we're becoming a, a fruitful tree in such a way that we're now making an impact in the people and the lives around us. What a beautiful picture for 2017. So you're saying, well, well what do I do? Wonderful question. I wish I had all the answers. I don't. That's also one of my limitations. But here's what I do know. We have three major goals. We, we set goals each year for our church. Three major goals this year. And one of those is prayer. Let's be honest. If I were to sit with you throughout the average day, the chances are you might pray once a week. I know some of you pray every day. But the majority of us do not really find time for prayer. Because quite frankly, it's just a waste of time. Many of us fall asleep. Some of you are right now. But many of us just fall asleep. We're tired. We're exhausted. The last thing we want to do is come home and pray. We just want to watch TV. I get that. <laughs> but, but this year, we are intentionally, as a church, moving toward prayer. We're going to offer times on Wednesday nights where you can come here for an hour and pray. We'll provide uh, ways for you to pray, scripture readings, different prayers you can pray. We will help you and guide you in that. We also will be putting on our website a daily prayer that you can follow in the morning, along with scripture readings that will guide you through the Bible. One of my goals this year is to read the New Testament seven times and the Old Testament two times. And we'll provide those scriptures for you at the bottom. But I think that if we want to be in line with the Spirit, we have to start by praying. You cannot be in tune with God when you are only in tune with the world. And we have so many different tuning stations that are pointed directly at us between our phones and between commercials and advertising and everything that goes on around us. People needing your help. It's hard to tune into the spirit. 
but what if you could harness the holy through prayer this year? The second thing I, I want you to do is get involved. You see, some of you have been coming to this church for quite your whole life. I don't know, most of it. And yet the, the majority of what you've done is you have occupied a seat in these yellow pews. Meanwhile, there are ministries and opportunities going on around you, but it seems to me that the same people are the only ones that are serving. You see, God has given you a gift, but some of you refuse to use it, which means you've just accepted your limitations in life. Is that really the kind of life that you want to live? I don't think that the far better existence is really about sitting here, but it's about being out there. And so we have multiple avenues, whether you want to serve our kids on Wednesday night, or you want to be part of Hope Closet, or you want to make dinners and meals for our single mothers. There are plenty of opportunities for you to be involved this year, to give of your time and your gifts. In fact, that is one of the values we have as a church, that we will invest in other people who desperately need our help. Write this question down. Where will you invest this year? That's kind of the question that has been plaguing me this week. God has been asking me, Brad, I want you to make a huge sacrifice this year. Obviously not my kids, uh, but sorry, that was a Bible joke. Never mind. Anyway. But what is, I, I feel like God has been asking me, what is your sacrifice this year? How are you going to be uncomfortable this year? How will you give extravagantly What's it going to look like for you to do something that's completely out of your comfort zone? One of those is going to Mexico. I, I'll be honest. I am deathly afraid to fly to Mexico this year. But I don't believe that God can teach me the potential if I continue to say no to what he has for me. So I'm saying yes in fear. I'm saying yes in my limitations. But I'm saying yes in the hope that something better will happen. That God will teach me something I've never experienced before. And I want the same for you. I want the same for you. So where will you invest this year? One of the things that we do every week is that we gather around God's table. The beauty of, of, of the table is that God's grace is poured into your life and it is a reminder that you will no longer have the limitations, but it is the power of God in you that will move you. So this morning, as our, as our servers come forward, I want you, before you come up this morning, to, to, to look through those questions that I've asked you to write down. And I want before you to come up to pray that somehow in this moment, as God teaches you, that you will experience His grace in such a way that you will now be moved to live a far better life. One that doesn't minimize the maxim maximum, but maximizes the maximum. May God's grace be with you this morning. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your good word this morning that teaches us that there is something greater for us than where we currently are. We pray this morning as we all are invited to the table it doesn't matter where we are in life, as long as we are striving for you, that we are invited to your table. And in this moment, we believe that your grace will move upon us in such a way that we will be made aware of 
what you are calling us to. May we simply admit our limitations. May we die to ourselves, and may we somehow harness your spirit in such a way that we produce fruit that the world can see. So may these, these common elements this morning make us completely uncommon to the world around us. In Jesus' name.